0: Numbers 20, verse 7, and then we're going to jump all the way to 2 Timothy chapter 4 after that. And and, uh, it's a bizarre jump. The Lord spake unto Moses. Here's what He told him. Take the rod, gather thou the assembly together, and Aaron thy brother, speak ye unto the rock before their eyes and it shall give forth this water. His water, it shall bring forth to them water out of the rock, so thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts drink. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock, and he said unto them Hear now ye rebels we must we fetch you water out of this rock And Moses lifted up his hand And with his rod he smote the rock twice By the grace of God the water came out abundantly and the congregation drank and they're beasts also. But verse 12 says, The Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because you believed me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. Moses, you're not going to get to walk for your graduation because you didn't listen to me. You didn't listen to me. I'm going to preach tonight about mishandled potential. Mishandled potential. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, verse 9 to start. 2 Timothy 4, verse 9. Paul writing to Timothy, Do thy diligence to come to me shortly. Timothy, you might not know this but Demas has has forsaken me having loved this present world. He fell in love with the world, Timothy. He's departed to Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia, only only Luke's with me. Take Mark. I know we had an issue, but, but, but take Mark and bring him with you. Let him know that I know he's profitable to me for the ministry. Bring that cloak, if you will. It says in verse 13, bring, bring that cloak, bring the books, and especially the parchments. Misplaced potential. Would you pray with me in this place? Mishandled potential. Misplaced opportunity. I want you to pray. God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house tonight, and I want to minister what you've dropped in my spirit. If we've ever had a time and a season where we need you to help us, it's right now. We need you to help us. We need you to help us. We need you to minister through your word, but we need you to help us when we're not in the building. We need you to guard our minds. We need you to strengthen our hearts and our spirits. It's critical that we have your help. We're asking for it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, why don't you find four or five people around you, give them a chicken elbow, and tell them, I don't want to have potential that gets wasted. Come on, tell them, I don't want to have potential that gets wasted. Handled potential. You may be seated. It can be dangerous when somebody tells you you have potential anyway. Because really, Brother Anderson, what they're saying is you got stuff you haven't done. Oh, you got a lot of potential. You've got a lot of potential. That means you've got things you haven't exercised correctly yet. If we're not careful, we get older and we allow our one-day potential to turn into our two-day discouragement. We had potential. People brag on us like every loving parent that thinks their child's the smartest on the block. But how many know if we don't capitalize and work hard... Potential always remains potential. You might have the potential to be an engineer. But unless you do the schooling to certify it, you're not going to become an engineer. Now you might be an engineer in your mind. But you're going to be the only one that thinks it. You might have the potential to be a brain surgeon. But I'm begging you, go to school. (laughs) Nobody wants the doctor to walk in the room. And there be no, no credentials on the wall. Where'd you study? Well, when I was younger, I watched a lot of hospital shows. I played operation for hours as a child. Potential without hard work and intentional, diligent effort never becomes anything else. It's been devastating this last week. I, as well as you, have got to watch and see in Beirut the incredible explosion that took place there, the devastation as over 2,700 pounds of ammonium nitrate was too casually and woefully stored in the bottom of a warehouse. Report after report has said, we knew we needed to move it. We knew the potential for devastation. Just never got around to it. The potential was there to create something powerful and exciting or on the other side of the spectrum. You know what we found out? Those things that people think never will happen, they do happen. One phone call from the doctor can remind any person any day those things we never thought could happen can happen. And I've come to preach to our graduates, but also to our parents. We do God a disservice if we take potential and we mishandle it. If we take the potential of God and we mishandle it. Now forgive me, but I want to tell you, you're going to think, well, I've graduated. Well, if you continue on, most of you graduated high school and you're going on into college. So I want to tell you, I think you ought to strive for good grades. And let the parents that are paying say amen. (laughs) For those of you that have just graduated out of junior high. And you're going into high school. I think you ought to strive for A's. I think we ought to push to be the very best that we can. So that our potential is not squandered. Can you imagine having the opportunity, Brother Barber, that Moses had? Strike a rock and water flows out. How cool would that be? How cool would it be to take that rod in your hand? Whoppa! How many of you young men, you know you'd abuse that power? How many of you ever hit a friend with that rod? See what comes out of them. It was really a miracle in the hands of Moses. This rod, this this stuttering leader that got his marching assignment from a burning bush that was not consumed. It, it, it was really. Something powerful in his hand, a a crutch as it were. Most speakers have crutches that they use, uh, whether it's leaning on a podium, a pulling at the air, taking on and the off of glasses. It's a little tick or or a crutch or a tail. And in the hands of Moses, however, it became a powerful tool. In one of those early introductions, he stood before Pharaoh. He had stood at the burning bush, and he had asked, what should I tell them? The let my people go thing is great, but what should I tell them? Tell them I am. Now, we've rejoiced about that, and as somebody who loves to preach, I'm going to tell you preaching I am is fun to preach, but that's a tough answer to get. To go stand in Pharaoh's court and the two words you got are I am. Hey Pharaoh, I need you to I need you to let all the Israelites go. Says who? I am. That don't even make sense. Imagine the situation. You have to really take a look at it. The hardened heart of Pharaoh and consider it to really get the context for the scripture that we read in the book of Numbers tonight. Young people and parents alike, you need to understand this. Moses had stood in Pharaoh's court. And at the revelation of God, he had seen where that rod had become a serpent and where his hand had become leprous and then whole again. And this was going to be the moment of opportunity. This is how Pharaoh will know. But Brother Watkins, the problem was that in the court of Pharaoh, when he threw that rod down and it became a snake, the magicians did the same thing. Imagine that. There's this back and forth. Pharaoh was not impressed. Didn't even seem impressed when Moses' serpent ate theirs. Anybody else feel like that has to be an odd scene? You got three snakes that were rods. Was his rod bigger after it ate those? I had this one weird friend when I was a teenager that had a a pet snake. If you got a pet snake, that's a problem. That's just a blanket statement for everybody. Everybody. Sorry. But she used to love watching we'd watch that thing feed and you know how big they can open their mouth? Sorry, I'm weirding myself out talking about it. You watch that thing move through the whole body? What do you think that serpent looked like when it was eating those other serpents? I felt like the Lord started talking to me about this service the other day. I'd never considered it before. But I do understand that those magicians threw their rods on the ground and those serpents were consumed. I don't know that Moses ever considered that when he walked out with that rod in his hand, he he did not consider that they carried more than just his rod out with him. But it was the consuming of the magic that had been before him. And while God does give us victory over what I would call the mysticism of the enemy, we've got to stay woefully aware of the things our spirit comes in contact with. He lost confidence in his own self over and over again. And the rod became a powerful crutch for him. How must it have been to watch that rod swallow those other stuff? did have been at a Red Sea opening. That's powerful. He'd been in a situation before where there was no water for them to drink. What did he do? Pop! Hit that rock and water came gushing out. You go from a zero to a hero in front of all the people real quick. Because they were murmuring. You brought us here to die. Can't believe you brought us here. You brought us here. We'd have been better off in Egypt. We'd have been better off under those taskmasters. Thirsty hit the rock and water begins to flow. And so it is now, in this moment, please understand, it is here, it is in Numbers 20, it is in this critical context of Scripture that God is trying to say, Moses, it's time to graduate. It's time for you to recognize you don't even need the rod this time. This time, don't hit the rock This time, speak to the rock. Moses had stood in front of Pharaoh, he had stood in front of the enemies. He had found the strength even through his stuttering dilemma, even through his own ego issues. And he had stood before leaders, and he had spoken, and he had stood there with the crutch and the power of the rod. But it's in this moment, please hear me, young people. Please hear me, graduates. It's in this moment where the Lord says to him, one of your first complaints to me was, you're not a man of good speech. And I told you, but I am. I am. Moses got what most of us would dream for. He got the direct words to say. He got the direct, clear assignment from God. Speak to the rock. Everybody repeat after me. Speak to the rock. But here he is, confronted by the people. They're all grumbling and complaining again. And in a moment of frustration, because this speech has always been the thing I've battled. It's been the thing that's always made me feel less than self-confident. And in this moment of anxiety and trepidation and truly frustration with the people, Instead of speaking to the rock, he hits the rock. Nobody in the crowd knew anything. Think about that, Brother Hunter. Nobody in the crowd knew he was wrong. Everybody in the crowd, even their beasts were all watered. Oh, he did that rock hitting thing again. I knew if we'd grumble enough, we'd get it. He hit the rock Bring your beast. Bring your oxen. Come on, bring little Joe. Come on, bring him. The rock is flowing. There's enough water for everybody. But trembling off in the corner, frustration and sweat and anxiety, Moses is already beginning to feel. You know that when you give in to temptation, you always feel the immediate depletion? How many know what I'm talking about? He's standing there and Aaron gets pulled off to the side. Had he known that simply hitting the rock, you can be a public hero today, but you're about to take a public loss tomorrow. I'm not going to let you walk because you refused to graduate. It's meant to be one of the most priceless moments of a high schooler or, or, a, or a college student's uh, uh, whole experience is when you get to publicly walk up in front of people. Signif- significance of this moment is to show in front of everybody. You're kind of even speaking to the homework assignments that almost wiped you out and the tests that almost destroyed you. Come on, some of you know what I'm talking about. You stayed up all night because you procrastinated. Stayed up, walked in, still had coffee grounds in your teeth studying how many of you be honest right now and you just wave you know you procrastinated on some tests come you already got the diploma you might as well yeah there you are some of you like can i admit your teacher ain't here and if they are they're taking your name down um but when you walk it's that moment it's kind of that na 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 boo boo i made it look at me how about it the problem for moses was Oh, it was supposed to be a big walk. The walk he had been planning on with this whole leading, this this entire expedition was all about a promised land walk. Imagine that he had to die in view of a promise that he could have walked to if he would not have allowed his hands to discount what his mouth was supposed to do. If he would have spoke up and preached to the rock instead of hitting the rock. But he decided that he would take it into his own hands and take it out of God's. Yeah, but Pastor Carson, God still had to do it for that water to flow. Oh, God still did it because God is graceful towards the people. Brother Turner, we've watched it over and over again. God has mercy on the people. His mercies are renewed every, and thank God for it. But every morning they're new. They're renewed every single day. Whether you like it or not, though, there is renewed mercy, but there is consequence for sin. I've got some incredible testimonies about how God came in and rescued people. And even in the justice system, they were given mercy or given grace. And and I thank God for that. But more times than not, you do the crime, you're going to do the time. And we don't get to blame God, Brother Ross, when it happens. Well, if he really loved me. Moses, don't you, wish you, don't you know he wished he could have went back standing next to Aaron when the Lord said, because of this. Because you hit the rock when you should have spoke to the rock. Now you're not getting to take this famous walk. You're going to, stand, you're going to die on this mountain looking at a promise. Yeah, well, at least he's on a mountain. At least he gets to get to an elevated place. One of the most most depressing parts of all Scripture is when he gets one mountain short of the victory. The view might be good from up there, and the cool mountain air it might feel nice, and I'm sure he could look down over it all, and it's spectacular, but knowing that I stopped here because I hit when I should have spoke. I'll tell you what I'm preaching here tonight... I'm preaching it's time for us. Thank God that you have graduated in your scholastics. But I'm preaching to everybody in this room. It's time for us to consider graduating a little bit spiritually. I am tired of trying to make God think I can do this without him. And I do not care about the oppression or the opinions of the people. Yeah, I want the people to get the water, and I want the people to be delighted. But if it comes down, I'm just going to tell you, listen to me real clear. If it comes down to what I think you want or what I think he wants, nothing there's really no decision for me I refuse to mishandle this potential I refuse to mishandle this because I yeah I know I could strike the rock but how powerful would it have been if he'd have looked at the, at the rock and stu- 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 stuttered until it came out and while he couldn't articulate it well and while the people had never seen it before they would have seen a revelation of God that had never been experienced before and I gotta tell you, you, Calvary, I'm ready to see some things I've never seen before. I am ready to see some miracles I have never seen before. I want to graduate into it. I want to graduate into it. I know maybe you've never seen it, but I want to see it. I know maybe I've never experienced it, but I want to experience it. Throw your hands towards heaven and begin to give him praise right now. Come on, lift your voice all over this house, would you? He can do it. He is able. Moses, quit second-guessing yourself. Somewhere along the line, the rod became a false sense of power. You know what I think the rod, I think it really... Became in Moses' life, I think it became the battle of entitlement. Uh huh. It's the number one thing we're fighting in this generation entitlement. I didn't even want this assignment, God gave me this assignment. I was doing good in the backside of the desert, I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for this situation. I didn't ask to be born into a time where my mom would have to put me in a basket of bulrushes and float me in a river. Pharaoh's daughter come find me. I I didn't ask for none of this. Brother Henderson, he didn't ask to be born into a situation. Neither did most of our college students or high school students. And I'm going to tell you, the truth is about most of us, the average person doesn't understand what a lot of people deal with in their life. Frustrations and hurts and abuses and everything might look perfect on the outside. Moses might have walked up to that rock in the right outfit with the rod in his hand. Everybody thought he was a leader, but his childhood had scarred him. His stutter had stopped him. He dealt with all kinds of self-confidence issues. And some of you adults in this room, you know it's real easy to go from 40 to 14 again. Real, Just... Anybody hear an old song that takes you back 20, 30 years? You ever see a person that you thought you let that bitterness drop about? See him across the room? Oh man, I got in a wheelhouse right here. Moses is dealing with with generations of hurt. Decades. I never wanted this. I didn't ask for this. Actually gets the people out of Egypt. I wish I had time to preach just about that. Actually got them out of Egypt with the help of the plagues. Plagues. Gets them out of Egypt. The firstborn sons had died. Remember this story? He walks them out. And then Pharaoh, hard so hard, and he chases them to the Red Sea. Water. I've seen all kinds of depictions. All kinds of cartoons drawn about this, Right? We're like there's whales in the middle. They're walking by high-fiving dolphins. I cannot imagine what it must have been like for Moses to get through all of that and still have to listen to them complain. Let me talk to some of you parents right now. Put a roof over their head. Yeah, you're laughing because you know. You know where we're going. Gave them the keys to your car. Hmm. Look at them sitting over there in the youth section acting like they don't know. But isn't it the truth? And then God forbid you forgot to get milk. What do you mean there's no milk? You ever only got about three or four kids, three or four words from your kid and you're ready to whip them? Imagine Moses' scenario. Imagine, imagine Brother Faulkner, imagine this. Every time they have a bad day. I mean, he kept their clothes fitting, kept shoes fitting, let manna fall, let quail fall. He's fed them. Moses keeps marching them. They're walking. Imagine this. Every time they have a bad day, you should have left us in Egypt. I would have been fed up too. They're lucky he hit the rock. But the truth is, if you ever get to where you're more concerned about the opinions of the people, about to walk into college, some of you about to walk into careers, and you better hear me right now. If you ever get concerned more with the opinions of people, then you're going to mishandle your potential. You're going to mishandle your potential. Hear me right now. If you ever think this is about driving name brand cars and wearing certain specialty clothing designer. If you ever think that this is about living in some big home that you can impress. You are striking a rock. Now I said it wasn't just for them. I'm going to tell it to the parents too. That's never been what this is about. And I thank God for it. And Brother Ross, we're friends. I talk to you. I want you to be blessed. I want your finances to be blessed. I want your home to be blessed. But I'm going to tell you the number one thing. When he says speak, we got to speak. When he said... It is not about impressing the people. Yeah, Moses, I know you want everybody to be happy. But we need God to be happy. Brother Barkus... Does curriculum really matter? Does it really matter that we keep our apostolic identity? God says it does. And we're going to endure the opinions of people that make us think that it's not as important. But I'm going to tell you what I believe. More than anything we do, the, oh my God, more than anything that we do, the Word of God comes first. The opinion of God matters more than the opinion of people. Brother Gallion i got to preach it to you too. As the vice president of IBC, we're not trying to be some secular university. We're not trying to be some other school. There's one thing we're concerned about more than anything else. we got to fulfill the will of God, the call of God, the word of God. Why do you preach holiness? Because it's the word of God. Why do you preach separation? Because it's the word of God. Why do you preach that we ought to come to service when the doors are open? Because it's the word of God. Let no man forsake the assembly again. Why does it matter that we talk this way and live this way? Why you been preaching about prayers? It's the word of God. And there's going to be opinions of men and women in your life that want you to strike the rock to impress them. But you'd be better off to let them grumble and make God glad. You'd be better off to let them grumble and even be mad at you. Because if you got to determine whether it's people or God mad at you. You know how many people, Brother Park. Are elders today that have lived frustrated for years. Because they've sat on the top of this mountain. Looking at where they could have been. But mishandled potential. Mishandled potential. It could have been explosive for the good. It could have been individually packaged. It could have lit up the night sky. It could have become a fireworks display that millions could have watched from around the world. But instead of filling the night sky, it devastated the group. 135 plus found dead. Pulled from the wreckage in Beirut. Why? It's not because there wasn't potential. It's because the potential was mishandled. I want you to throw your hands towards heaven, I feel such... (sighs) Oh, I don't know who I'm reaching for, but I'm reaching for somebody right now. There's potential there. You got potential. I feel like I'm reaching for more than graduates right now. I'm reaching for some. I'm reaching for some young marriages. I'm reaching for some seniors. I'm. I'm reaching across everybody. I'm reaching for everybody in this room that knows you got potential. In a devastating place right now. Stand with me in this house. I want our graduates to come to the very front. I want you to line across the front of this. Timothy, Demas. Themis has forsaken me. I'm captivated. I'm captivated with uh, the thought of Paul writing to Timothy in this particular context. I'm a a little personal note in that box and you've got to Nice cross pen. I've been overwhelmed this week thinking about you. Praying for you. Thinking about putting this pen in your hand. I haven't been able to stop thinking about Timothy and Paul. And I know it wasn't a beautiful cross pin like this. I know it wasn't modern. It was an entirely different scenario. But the writing... Some of you that think, I hate writing. (laughs) I'm going to challenge you. Start thinking about the things that you write. Some of you going into college, you're going to spend 20, 30 hours per paper. Maybe you're going to put it on keys first. Maybe it's going to be an electronic pen, but the, the point is the same. The... The engagement. Timothy. Demas. Demas has forsaken me. I wonder what it felt like when Timothy read that. Timothy, this young man that longs to be close to Paul. Demas. Demas, he should have stood in your graduating class. Had all the potential in the world. He was going to be a preacher's powerhouse. He was. Demas has forsaken. how did it happen? He fell in love with the world. He stepped onto a campus and he got caught up. It's the same principle at play with Moses. He got concerned with the opinions of the people. You're going to have to listen to professors. You're going to have to endure things. Some of you, if you're going to IBC, it won't be that, but you listen. It'll be another peer from another state or somebody that has a different thought process, something that contradicts your pastor or your parents, and it'll enter question into your mind. And you'll know what God has told you to speak and how He's told you to live, but you're going to come to the crossroad of whether you strike the rock or speak the Word. Demas has forsaken me. Having loved this present world, he goes on, he begins to write, begins to tell him, and then he begins to call. Bring the cloak. You bring those. When he calls for those parchments, he goes on down, he says, Alexander the coppersmith, he did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works of whom be thou where also. For he hath greatly withstood our words. At my first answer no man stood with me but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. When he talks about demons, when he talks about you, it feels like he's bitter. He's not bitter at all. He's not bitter. He's not bitter. Let it be laid their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. Hear this, graduates. He, he strengthened me. That by me the preaching might be fully known. And that all Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work. And will preserve me unto His heavenly kingdom. To whom be glory forever and ever. Due diligence, he said. Due diligence. To come to me before winter. He put the pen. This says, what he's doing. He's putting the pen. I'll never forget. Brother Turner, I'll never forget. I had a young lady. She was just about graduation age. And she said, and I know most of you have probably heard it before, but she said, isn't it something that Paul, that great writer of the New Testament, when the viper bit him, it latched onto his hand. I thought, man, that's something. The devil knows where to attack. But he shook that viper off. Why? Because he had a word from God and he just kept writing and he just kept preaching and he kept going because he refused to let his potential be wasted or mishandled even when he was in a prison. Why is he writing these two letters to Timothy? I'll tell you what he was doing. He's doing what I'm trying to do for you right now. I'm trying to tell you, please don't mishandle this moment in time. Please don't mishandle this. Whether you're 17, 18, 19 years, please don't mishandle this moment in time. How many adults in this room? If you could, you'd say, I'd like to travel back to 18. I I wouldn't mind a little reset. And I'm telling you, if I could speak to the 18-year-old version of myself, I would try to tell him what I'm telling you right now. Nothing matters like the opinion of God. Nothing else is as valid. I want our teachers, if you're a teacher at IBC or CCS or a teacher at another school system, I know this is unique. I want you to come. Any and every teacher or educator in the house, I want you to come down around the altar behind them. Oh, Brother Brown, how many have we watched? Could have been powerful. Could have been powerful preachers. For that young man, it became a, became a little girl. For that young lady, it became a, a young man. I've seen so many with potential that went in, whether they were going to go into Bible college or whether they were going into a construction or going into a nursing field. I've watched so many that it was was never about the clear call of God. It was about the opinions of the people. I'm preaching to you tonight on behalf of the 30 and 40 year old version of yourself. If God is gracious enough, and, and I gotta tell you this, I don't think we got that long before he comes back. I just don't I, I have a hard time when I look forward thinking we've got much longer. But if if for some reason and somehow the Lord tarries. I'm, I'm trying to talk to you for the version of yourself that's down the road. The version of you that's supposed to be a good dad. The version of you that's supposed to be a godly mom. Pastor Carson, I don't, I don't feel called to IBC or I'm not going to Bible college. If you're called to be a nurse, be the greatest nurse the world's ever seen. If you're called to be a doctor, be the greatest doctor the the world's ever seen. If you're called to be a preacher, be the greatest preacher that you can possibly be. It's not about the voice or the opinions of the people. It's about what is God saying to you. Moses wasn't always wrong for hitting a rock. He's just wrong in this moment. He's wrong here because this time he was meant to speak. I want you graduates, I want you to lift your hands. I want you to lift them real high. I want our educators to come in behind. I know we're being distanced, but with your masks on, I want you to lay hands on them. I want you to work through this crap. Would you pray with me over the potential in front of us? That's it, mate. That's it, Brooklyn. Come on, Joel. That's it, buddy. Would you stretch your hands forward? Come on, CT family. This is a sacred moment tonight. I'm telling you, I feel the emphasis of the Holy Ghost right now. It's, It's like an exclamation point in the Spirit right now.